Welcome, viewers and listeners, to the Thinking Fan FC Premier League podcast. Each week, we get together with our besties, who are current pro players, real coaches, academics, and stat heads. Today, I'm joined by soccer analyst Harshal Patel and professional footballer Dre Fortune. I'm host Chris Mumford. Bella Ciao. We're welcomed by the Premier League Guide, a 300-page book for those mad about football, Moneyball first soccer opposition analysis plus eye candy. The current update is at www.thinkingfanmedia.com and on Amazon. Match day 32 was pretty ho-hum in the Premier League. The Champions League semifinals had some interesting elements and the FA Cup had some nice bits and pieces to talk about. But the big, big news is the emergence of this European Super League, which is so massive, it even swallowed the Spurs sacking of Mourinho. Harshel, help us unpack what's going on with all this European Super League news. So basically what's happened is that 12 clubs across Europe's sort of biggest leagues, although it must be said that there are no representatives from Ligue 1 in France or the Bundesliga in Germany at the moment. 12 clubs, of which six are from England, have decided to break away from UEFA's competitions, the Champions League, the Europa League, the, the UEFA Conference League, Europa Conference League, which is going to be introduced in the summer. So they've broken away from UEFA and formed their own um, European competition called the European Super League. Uh, there, they, they, there are 12 clubs who signed up for this at the moment, but they, there are apparently going to be three more clubs who are going to join as founding members with a f- further five places to be determined through qualifications every year. And they, although, <clears throat> excuse me, although we do not know how this qualification is going to be determined, but the key point here is that this move means that they will not be playing in the Champions League and the Europa League from next season onwards, because this, they, the, the statement says that they pl- plan to begin this tournament as soon as possible. And reports are that it could begin from August, from the next season. And that is going to be a huge blow to UEFA because it, it, it is essentially an existential crisis for UEFA at the moment. Because if you have, the, if you don't have the likes of Liverpool, Real Madrid, Manchester United, uh, Barcelona, Man City, Chelsea, Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan, all of these clubs are not going to be part of UEFA's Premier League, Premier competitions. It's going to be a. I mean, I don't see how <clears throat> those competitions can stay relevant or how they can survive. In, in the near future. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting, or I mean, I don't think the, the reaction has been unexpected. It's been I almost unanimously condemned by fans, journalists, uh, people in, in, uh, in the government and in the opposition in the United Kingdom. A few players have also come out to, to sort of voice their uh, disagreement with these plans. And it'll be really interesting to see how the next few weeks go or the ne- just the next couple of days because this has huge ramifications to just this season uh, itself. I mean, consider the fact that the Champions League semifinals uh, have City versus uh, Real Madrid and PSG versus Manchester City. Three of those four clubs are part of the Super League. So, I mean, how does it make sense for them to... How will the semifinals, which are going to be held in a couple of weeks' time, have any relevance or be still or, or I mean how do you take that competition seriously anymore when three of those four clubs have said that we're not going to be part of it from next season and we've already got it on record apparently from a UEFA executive that all the clubs who are part of uh, the Super League will be removed from UEFA competitions for this season 
which means that Arsenal and United would also get kicked out of the Europa League semi-final. So it's going to be an, a very interesting next few days as as we get more and more news about this. Dre, what's your take on this? Um, honestly, I'm still I'm still developing my thoughts, but I, I think initially I'm I'm not too much in favor of it. Just I mean, there are so many ways to approach it. I think when you when you approach from a a financial standpoint, and you look at competitions like, for example, the FA Cup, and when a team in you know League One, for example, makes a run, gets to host a Manchester United or an Arsenal, and, and the the revenue it brings in, uh, how much the fans enjoy those moments, even for the players. I mean, everybody dreams to play against the best teams and best players in the world. Uh, so you, you know, taking that away from all the players and the fans, I think, is a big thing. Uh, and then also, I think people fail to realize that we really appreciate the big games because they don't happen all the time. Yep. So if if Barcelona is playing, who, um, you know, Man City Man every every week, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, you know, if, they, if they're playing, you know, every other week or whatever the case may be, then the game loses its that special value that it has because we get to see it in Champions League. So. Yeah, for me right now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, too invested in it. And I don't really see what the positives to it would actually be. I'd, I'd be interested to hear, I guess, you know, what, what your take may be on it, Chris, and, and how, you would, how you would spin that. Well, I think in previous podcasts, y'all know my, my view on this. Uh, so I work in innovation, and our start point is always, let's accept reality for what it is. And the reality is, is that, we have these things called leagues, which are not, they're processions, right? Ligun, Bundesliga, La Liga, Premier League, all except for two of the last 28 years in the Premier League, the usual four or five suspects have won, uh, Leicester being the most recent example, right? So I, as a neutral, admittedly pretty neutral, I'm kind of tired of seeing the same processions. It's like when La Liga started this year, there were th- there were two teams that had a realistic chance. A third team made it interesting. But I just, in, this, in the last two or three years, Man City or Liverpool, and people say, oh, these, these big super clubs are doing it for the money. The dirty secret is everybody does this for the money. Why does Crystal Palace play such cynical football, parking the bus? right? It's because they want to stay in the Premier League. They're not doing it to play exciting football. And I just feel like, look, the the fundamental platform for this whole thing is, is that capitalism has a downside. If you let teams that can make a whole lot more money compete against teams that can't generate as much money, you're going to have these gross inequities. Now, if someone came back and said, cool, Let's do what the Germans do and let's have fan communities own the clubs and, and, and Andre, I know you're not going to be happy about this, some sort of salary cap where things are kind of fair, right? Because the, the leagues are not fair at all. They are just flat out unfair. So at least in the European Super League, you're going to have 15 teams that are more or less spending the same amount of cash. So maybe it's interesting, Right. But let me tell you something, watching Man City play Burnley 
watching a a basically a flamingo try to crack open a muscle for a win that's not entertainment for me i'd rather go i'd rather go do, dig a ditch well, Chrissy, well, i want to i want to challenge you on that a little bit though because okay i mean you would who would you say are two teams in the premier league that you like to watch the most i i'll give it uh, give give me a chance to explain liverpool mm-hmm. and leeds right and, as a Leeds fan, I am happier now that they're getting rid of the six teams that have a, a just a gross payroll so I can watch Leeds play in a competitive league. They would be third in the Premier League now if, if, if all, all the other guys were gone. That's yeah, exciting but, uh, to me. Well, right? I, I don't know. The, the reason, because I think when you go, in, when you go into a season, I think, and, and you have to keep in mind, these majority of the fans, and I'm not excluding us, but the the passion that goes into supporting their team is much deeper than just you know they don't crystal palace fans don't expect crystal palace to win the premier league they know they're not going to exactly yeah uh but but why not why why can't why can't in in the first day of any given season we have a league where and and i'm not you know i'm not necessarily a, a huge national league football team uh fan but any given year a, a team could go and win that that there's me. a reason for that chris there's a reason for that that so i mean if you're trying which so admittedly this has been sort of pushed by the glazer family the tronker family and the fsg group which owns liverpool the three american owners of of the, of the premier league teams and they, who are trying to sort of bring the american model into european sports but they are not doing it in a complete manner because can correct me if i'm wrong obviously because my knowledge of american sports is not extensive you guys would obviously know better but from what i understand most if not all american sports which are closed shops in the sense that there is no qualification or promotion or relegation also right. have drafts and also have salary caps that is what makes it equitable what's the point of so what's going to happen with the super league in this current guys and assuming that they still allow to play in the domestic leagues is basically that a man united or a man city or, or chelsea for example in all of the 15 clubs basically they've been told that they'll get up to 400 million euros a season from just playing in the tournament forget about winning it's about playing a team and i was going through some of the numbers earlier you get only about 10% extra for winning the tournament than you do for just playing in the group stages which is the complete opposite of the champions league in the champions league if you win the champions league you get i think up to i, I forget the actual number but in percentage terms your revenue if you win the champions league is 300 times or not 300 times 300% of what you would get if you if you were in the in the group stages now what that means is the the english clubs for example the six english clubs if they're going to play in the super league every week earn 400 500 million more per season and then come back and compete in the domestic leagues how is that going to make it equi- more equitable they're just going to have more money to go out and buy whoever they want from a leicester and aston villa a burnley and an everton or whatever and the the domestic league is going to get even more entrenched there's no way any other club will be able to break into uh the 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 top of the league and to be honest we have leeds versus liverpool tonight in a couple of hours time that game has completely lost its relevance now because if you're not going to qualify for the champions league anymore what's the point of liverpool even trying to go out and win this game because even if they finish fourth they're not going to play in the champions league next season apparently because leeds will be able to potentially go to the champions league while as yet they will not under the current arrangement right 
and keep in but mind the champions league but the champions league what you're saying chris i get that but now the champions league has been devalued as well if you're going to have i agree and but so but but the, the, the let the me rights, respond let me respond to what you said earlier harshell basically you're saying well you know if you win the, in the new european soccer league you only get 10% more by winning versus everything else so it's not about sporting merit at all to me it's actually about they they are saying to the clubs it's more important for you to put out entertaining football football that fans want to watch rather than winning at all costs so get rid will, of the atletico madrid cynical negative football it's by the way go out and part of the super league atletico are part of the super league i, I agree i agree and they're going to have to figure and out a I will, way and i i will make contest it entertaining. that in the, i will contest that uh, that point in the sense that Yes, it's about entertainment, but not about entertaining football. You want them to play Real Madrid three or four times a year, so you can sort of market and highlight these marquee matches. But it doesn't matter if they win or lose. And it's and and one of the uh, statements that is made in the ESL sort of founding document or whatever that's doing the rounds is that it's about sporting merit. If you're looking at sporting merit, Aston Villa have more European cups than have won more European cups than Arsenal or. Spurs or Man City, Nottingham Forest have won more European cups than these clubs. You know, Everton have more league titles than City and Arsenal combined. Ha- so it's Harsh not about sporting merit. It's about Arsenal finishing. Uh, I mean, Arsenal are finishing ninth or tenth in the league this year, and you're telling me they're good enough to be a part of us of the European elite. Well, what 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 I am saying is, is on a permanent problem. basis, without any qualifications or without any. Um, all right, go on. But 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 Harshell. What has Aston Villa done for us in the last four or five years, right? I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They've given us Jack Grealish. They've given us some absolutely entertaining football. Okay, all right. Ver- versus versus the entertainment that Arsenal has given us. I mean, that, yes. And, and I, sometimes I, mean, I, I absolutely in with you here. It's, it you know, and 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 let's let let's but, let Dre chime in on this because he's an Arsenal fan, but. What's your take I mean, on that? I think I, I genuinely think Aston. I genuinely, I mean, just for this small micro point, I think Aston Villa have been more entertaining than Arsenal over the last two or three years. Okay, I don't. I don't think any club would be more qualifying. I think I can agree with. They haven't been at that level recently, but I don't think I would put any other team above them. I don't think I'd put Villa ahead of them or Everton or any of those clubs. Yeah, I know. I know. My point. My point is basically that it's they're talking about the most sort of prestigious or. historical clubs in europe getting to keep a seat at the table so that they can continue playing basically these 15 clubs will never be booted out of the of the super league right my point to that is that i mean if you look at history there are a lot more clubs who are not doing as well now i mean look at leeds for example they are a very historical club they've been very successful in in england they've won multiple titles but they're just not and and this is a point that alexander seferin who's the president of uefa made in his statement today that it's a cycle clubs that are doing well right now may not necessarily be doing well 10 years down the line and we've seen that in the premier league as well and it's just that because at the moment you have these clubs that are on top it's not necessary that 10 years down the line that that they will still be there but this system if it is put into place will ensure that that is the case and that's a problem because your sporting merit goes out of the window yeah dre dre what's what's your read on this what do you mean like what specifically Well, I mean, uh Harshell and I have have dominated the airtime. I want to make sure you uh your views represented on this. Um while uh we'll, we'll let me let me chime in on one piece here. Let me give you an analogy. 
let's say Dre and I start, we, we, we start playing football. Now I'm an, I'm an old guy and Dre's dynamic uh, center attacking midfield player. And Dre is, we're doing competitions and Dre is able to generate a lot of attention for our league because he's very good. And I'm just kind of barely hanging on. Right. And then Dre decides, you know, something I'm going to start a league with four or five other guys that can ball and say, Chris, I'm really sorry, but you can't play in that, in that other league there. And, and guess what? It's the TV execs are talking to Dre. That's why income is coming into the league. I have to accept the fact that I'm not at Dre's level. I, I have to accept the fact that, hey, maybe I can get a TV contract and maybe we can go back to our history where let's focus on our fans locally instead of chasing Sky and BT and NBC and let Dre and his guys do what they can do. And I've got to be happy doing what I can do, becoming very much more fan centric. Well, I think, but I think that also that would cap, that would kind of cap off your, I don't know what potential, I guess, because it, then you're going to stop trying in the analogy to, to beat me. And then, you know, the people who are supporting you and whatnot, they want to see you beat me. You know what I mean? They, they want to push you. They want to see you. Um, they want to see but, your but story, most your of the improvements. Pain, but Dre, most of the pain people, to NBC and Sky and all that, they don't really want to see me play. They want to see you play against good competition, mm. right? They want to see you play against the top six. That's just, as a neutral myself, I will watch other top top six games. I will not watch Manchester United play West Brom. Yeah, but I'm you'll sorry, watch Le- you'll watch Leeds play Liverpool. Well, that's because I'm a Leeds fan and I'm a Liverpool fan. Right, but, that, but that's thing, what I'm right? saying. Right, it's the same thing. So, like, it, the point being the West that, Brom like, fan would want to watch. Right, West United, of course, and all of that. And it goes all the way around, which is, which is, I think, a very and valuable also, point. I mean, also, there's, there's, a, there's a wider point here in the sense that, especially in England, but across Europe, clubs are a lot more than just, I mean, football clubs are a lot more than just, you know, uh, 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 the sports team that you're supporting on the weekend. Mm-hmm. They're the hubs of the community. They're, 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 they make a huge difference in people's lives. I mean, we won't understand that because we're not in the UK. I'm obviously miles, thousands of miles away as are both of you. But yeah. for local fans, it makes a huge difference to their lives if their club or their team wins or loses on the weekend. So, so why this, can't they pick why can't they pick a local club? No, they do. They obviously do. I'm talking focused. No, that's focused on that versus there are only six clubs that are globally orient, like super globally oriented. Yes. But by doing that, by breaking away, you're making the domestic competition basically irrelevant because one of two things can happen here. Now, either in the case of the Premier League, either the big six are tossed out of the Premier League, in which case the Premier League will become uh, a less attractive proposition if not for fans if made for fans obviously globally but also for broadcasters for sponsors the amount of money that comes in from the broadcast deals for example which is what makes the Premier League so exciting will definitely go down so that's obviously going to move uh, make a difference to all the all the clubs uh, balance sheet and the and the revenues that they earn that's the first scenario so but, you but yourself Michelle, so if, no, so what's I mean, gonna happen here Dre, is the, the if Dre the, only makes 10 million a year instead of 20 million a year, I think Dre's gonna be able to make it work still. I mean, 
But Chris, another no, thing too, though, thing. I think, I think because for example, like you, you, you've used the example, you're not going to watch Burnley Man City. Yeah. For me, I love that game. And I love that game because it's a classic City, underdog story, right? And, and not even just from that perspective, City has to find a way to break down Burnley. We know how Burnley's going to play. And I enjoy watching that. And now yep. that's, that's my personal opinion versus your personal opinion, whatever the case may be. But if you're not going to watch that, you're definitely not going to watch Burnley play West Brom. I know that for a fact. Yeah. The Premier League is going to lose all, all interest at Relevance. that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, nobody's well, going to watch that. Relevance. It's going to have, you just, you're just made the case that it's going to make a lot of difference for Burnley fans and West Brom fans. So let's just keep it as West Brom and Burnley fans. No. So, so what's going to happen, as I was saying earlier, if the big six break away, they get to earn maybe three, four, five times more money, while the rest of the Premier League sees their earnings probably cut in half. That's if they break away. Oh, probably less if than half. If they stay. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. If they stay, if they stay, this, that's that's option number one. Option number two is there is a Europe European Super League that takes place, but they also compete in the Premier League. In that case, yes, fine. Maybe the broadcast deals don't go away, but the product itself still gets massively um, devalued because, you, as I said earlier, those clubs will have an even bigger advantage in terms of the revenue they earn. Not that they don't already. They already earn a lot more than, I mean, obviously Man United earn a lot more than Leeds or a West Brom or a Burnley, for example. But they're going to earn even more and have even more money to go out and buy any good players from the guys competing below them. So then and it they becomes... they will do it. Yeah, and, and will do it there's no reason the to say they won't do it. And, and mm-hmm. Premier League will become a close shop as well. As uh, So then there's what you were saying earlier that, I mean, you, you're saying that only the usual contenders are sort of competing at the top of the Premier League, that'll become even more entrenched. There's no chance then whatsoever of a Leicester happening but, ever but, again. But Harshell, the truth is this. Burnley's in 17th place at 33 points, right? And Man- they're fine with that. Man yeah. City is at 74 points. So there's 41 points difference there, okay? So- versus, let me finish, versus Tottenham at 50 versus Burnley at 33. That's 17 points, Okay. To me, the league is much more interesting when it's just the band is narrower there because that means at least there's a semblance of competitive parity. Now it's a complete farce. This is not a competitive league, the Premier League. You've got six teams, maybe eight at most, and then you've got everybody else. And I just feel like how we need to. How are you saying it's not a competitive league, Chris? Chris, how are you saying it's not a competitive league in a season? Where West Ham are in the top four and Leicester are in the top four. Mm-hmm. How okay. is it not competitive? Spurs and Arsenal aren't even in the top four. Neither are Chelsea. Okay. So in the top six. <laughs> top six, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's have a conversation in in four weeks and see where this goes. But West Ham, if you look at their at the the teams that they have to play in the next few weeks, they're probably not going to be in, in, in the four. And it's yeah, going to be... Chris, you would, have, you would have never guessed ever one time that West Ham would have... Would you have said at the start of the no season chance. that Absolute, West Ham would have been third? Absolutely not. Exactly. But, but, That's but the by, point. By virtue of the fact that there's one outlier doesn't justify the argument. Well, I don't think it's one. Way, just because Leicester won once in 28 years. So that's great. So 3% of the time, a non-favorite wins in the league. That to me so, is not Steve, a Chris, Fair enough, but that's the thing. I think that's the fundamental difference between maybe sort of the American view of sports versus maybe European, where I, as I said earlier, American I sports are a lot more about uh, all teams being on an equal footing balance. where any team can come mm-hmm. in a more competitive balance. 
whereas in europe it's this has always been the case it's not been uh, obviously financially inequality right. has been a it's lot a, a lot europe more. is a caste system right where 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 the 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 big elites stay the big elites and everybody else you you're lucky if you get bits and pieces and 3% of the time you get the limelight i i mean it, it's phases but, okay, it, it goes through phases because there there all there have been when you look historically there the same teams don't stay on top forever i mean manchester united that's what makes them such they a good team because over the courses over but, years and years and decades they've but, stayed there but when you look at for example as as harshal mentioned i mean liverpool Villa, they won the first title in 30 years Yeah, I mean that, that's that's incredible. So they weren't; they had just not been at the top for a while. Teams like United Leeds, are going Nottingham, to Villa right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's always changing. If if y'all look at the top four for the last twenty eight years, you're going to see the same names. No, you won't. Just you won't back. see Manchester City the same. You won't see um, uh, Arsenal. You won't see Arsenal. Spurs. Yeah. You, won't you won't see United won't. at times. You won't see Chelsea at times. I, maybe four of the six, or maybe three of the what, six. I get. I get the wider point yeah. you're making, Chris. Yeah, by the t- next by next week, uh, I'll be able to show you that <laughs> you see the usual suspects. Every, particularly in the last ten years, certainly, right? You know, Manchester City only recently became. I, I agree, like, and, and that's and also Chelsea, because they were Chelsea, bought by Abu Dhabi. That's right, and Chelsea as well, a, a Russian oligarch. I get that, but that is more of what's going to happen. And I would rather have parity in a league and say, "Cool, capitalism is broken." For purposes of European football, so let's get back to a point where we have some parity, because the idea of sport is to have parity and see who wins. Everybody plays by the same rules. Right now, that we're not playing by the same rules. Man City plays completely That, different rules than a West Brom or a a Burnley do. Right. That only works, Chris. That only works. What you're saying and what the European Super League is trying to do. Only works if you bring in a salary cap, if you bring in transfer uh, restrictions like a draft or something of that sort. Because they're not going to do that, which is what is the essence, which is basically what tells you what the, what the main ambition here is. If the ambition was to create a more level playing field, to try and have more equitable competition, to have more winners, they would have done that. They would have included proposals to have a salary cap, to have some sort of transfer restrictions yeah. between clubs. Yeah. They're yeah. not doing that. This is blatant. Opportunism and greed, where you have always, this much of the pie, we want a more a, lo- a lot more. And I mean, just to make one final point, um, there was a segment on Sky Sports earlier today where one of the journalists was talking. Was he he cited an unnamed source at basically an unnamed director who sits on the board of one of the six family clubs. He obviously didn't name who he was or which club it was, but what he said was that that director told him that. A a lot of people within these clubs at director level at boardroom level are not in support of this, but they can't really go against the owners. B the owners basically believe that their first and foremost duty is to increase their revenues and increase their profits, and that the health of the wider game is a secondary concern. Quote unquote. So that tells me that I mean, as as that quote suggests, all they care about is. Deepening their own wallets and the wider game of football be damned, which is why, as a football fan, I am not happy with this. So, I couldn't agree more with that. Was we have a football system on capitalism, which rewards inequities over time, 
and exacerbates them. And guess what? It creates oligarchs and monopolies. That is the ultimate end game. So, so the leagues have been complicit in the growth of absolutely. I'm not. They're happy to take the TV dollars, except when the TV dollars decides to go to another league, right? So UEFA is getting all sanctimonious about this idea of oh, we have to protect the game. Well, that didn't seem to be the problem when you were negotiating with Sky Sports and BT a few years ago, right? So I think this whole greed and blah blah blah. Everybody's been in this for the money. We are in a capitalist society. You have to assume that that's a first principle. Unless, of course, you decide to go to a German model where the communities and the fans own it. But that's not capitalism, right? That's socialism, okay? And I'm okay with socialism if we all agree to socialist tendencies in sports if there's parity. Because to me, the number one principle is parity. But I'm... I find it a, a little obnoxious that these guys, particularly FIFA, who's been benefiting and trying to extract as many dollars from people as possible to get to a point where, you know, we have to recognize reality for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's not too different from 1992 when the founding members of the Premier League sort of broke away from the, the English Football League created the Premier League. It's not that different, to be honest. But it's, as I said, the problem is that it's a closed shop, that only five teams will qualify. And I mean, if, again, if you look in the, into the document, the way the revenue is split is also massively skewed towards those 15 teams. The five teams that qualify get a much, much smaller share of the pot than the, five, than the 15 sort of founding members. So it's not about uh, equity there either. And as I said, if it was about equity, you would have heard discussions or there would have been some talk about implementing a salary cap and transfer restrictions, but that's not going to be the case. Okay, but Harshel, so all this is going to do, if it does sort of happen... Harshal, isn't, isn't Euros and the World Cup a closed shop? They, they, they are the sanctioning body. If you, try to, if you are unsanctioned, then you can't, you can't, partic- you can't uh, no, but that's, have that's, these competitions. That has nothing to do with money and revenue, right? That's just geographical. The truth is this, is that UEFA have a closed shop now, right? Who who else is competing against UEFA? Who else has international competitions? In terms of club competitions? Every confederation, the Copa Libertadores in in South America, the uh, African Champions League, the Asian Champions League, all the confederations have those. Those are all oligarch, geographic oligarchs. Right. So, so there, there, these are all closed shops we're, we're talking about. FIFA. No, but that's, it's, the world it's, that's based on geography. Shop. So, so it's based on geography. That's not based on how much money I'm making. That's just simply, okay, I'm an Asian country, okay. so I can compete so only in I the want, AFC Champions League. If I want to start up an alternative uh, Euros, is that going to be possible or not? But why would you? I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, a, no, no, I'm not understanding I'm because is, the Europe. But 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 you are banging your fist on the table saying, well, the new league is going to be a closed shop. Well, the Euros is already a... No, a the qualification shop. is open. Any team in Europe can qualify for the Euros. Is but that going terms, to be the case for uh, the European Super League? In no. terms of the sanctioning body, uh, they've got a closed shop. In, I, I, I'm failing to understand you've your point. You've got one team in Europe, body. any country in Europe. Any you've country got. in Europe can qualify for the Euros. Any country in the world can qualify for the World Cup. 
but who who controls so obviously there will be one controlling body for every for for why okay. i mean how so does that mean that it's a closed shop and don't use the term closed shop as this i mean closed shop in a sporting merit sense as i said earlier that those 15 teams they could finish 20th in the premier league 15th in the premier league and still play in a europe in super league the next season that's the point i'm trying to make yeah Well, Whereas right now you need to finish in the top four to play in the Champions League, right? So the the, the there's no sense of sporting uh, or your or your performances on the field being rewarded through whatever through increased prize money, through winning competitions, through taking part in the elite sort of competitions. It's a case of and also I mean before I mean just to make one last point, it will reward mediocrity because what um, what incentive will an Arsenal or Manchester United have and when i say the names of those clubs i mean the owners what incentive will the owners have to invest further or to make further improvements to try and win the premier league or to win these tournaments because their money is guaranteed i mean mm-hmm. as long as i take part in the super league every year i'm getting 400 million and extra 40 million is not going to make a difference so i don't need really need to make too many improvements to try and win that tournament and the premier league is now in irrelevance right because i anyway i'm dominating the competition sure because of that i might just go on and win it a few years the trophy will basically get passed around between the these six clubs it will absolutely reward mediocrity i mean look at the okay. example of the tampa bay I, tampa I, bay yeah. buccaneers tampa bay buccaneers are owned by the glazers right they won their first super bowl in 2002 it's taken them what they 18 years to win the next one it, it's taken them 18 years to win their next playoff game which is this year when they won the super bowl after 18 years Right. So, but if you look at the number of teams that have won in the NFL versus the number of teams that have won in the Premier League in the same time, you've got more teams that have won in the NFL. The reason you for that is that NBA, there is a built, salary cap. Yeah, the structure. Yeah, there's a salary cap. But but what there's I'm saying drop. is this: is the emperor has no clothes. The current system is broken now. Agreed. And, but the, and I absolutely. So, agree. So something's got to change and I'm glad that this European Super League is forcing some decisions to be made. My my number one preference would be basically the German model where where fans own the clubs. That's where I'd like to ultimately get to. But I'm tired yeah, but that's of that's not going to happen. I'm unfortunately, tired. I'm, I'm well I'm I agree with that because of cap, of the capitalist model we all buy into. And by the way, I'm still a capitalist, but I still I think we need to we need to make changes and recognize that capitalism ebbs and flows. And we've had crony capitalism in the past. We have to rein it in a bit. We have to rein it a bit in this situation too. So I just feel like this is a sort of thing where we have it it is recognizing reality for what it is. The European Super League is recognizing reality for what it is and until someone gives an alternative narrative and the alternative narrative is let's just keep it the same it's been that is the unacceptable answer in my opinion dre what do you what any any fi- final thoughts on this before we shift subjects um honestly just to sum it up i i think at the end of the day <laughs> i think we're also uh we're assuming that this super league is going to be you know extremely competitive but uh i was thinking about it while you guys were talking arsenal's not going to win it Spurs are not going to win it. Milan's not going to win it. You know what I mean? I think it's when we look at, you know, Champions League and and who's been winning most recently and making it to the final. I think we're going to end up with a very similar similar outcome if not now, you know, very shortly. I think 
Madrid is going to end up very close to the top. Barca is going to end up very close, especially without Bayern and PSG. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I just I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it at the moment. So Harshal, let's shift our attention to the almost uh, story that barely created a heartbeat is that Mourinho <laughs> was fired by the Spurs. Is it? It was that a justified firing or not? I think it was. Um, I mean, Spurs. Ever since, I mean, they went top of the table back in November, but since then, it's it's not been good enough. So the squad that Mourinho has at Spurs, uh, the way they're playing right now is absolutely not good enough. And it, and I, I I'll go back to a point you made earlier, Chris, about say Atletico Madrid and their style of play. I mean, Spurs have barely been anything more than a counter-attacking side under Mourinho, especially in the last couple of months or so. They've barely, they've not, other than maybe flashes and glimpses against some teams where they've we've been a little more attacking and a little more adventurous. It's mostly been a case of um, sitting back, trying to defend the lead if they've got one, or say against the City or Liverpool, trying to obviously stop them from scoring and springing forward on the counter attack and using Harry Kane and, and Sonia uh, Min when possible. So they have a very talented squad, to be honest. They, they may, there are obviously some issues in some positions, but it's not as bad as Mourinho has made it out to be. And based on reports we've been seeing since the sacking on various uh, news sites, he obviously fell out with the majority of the players, which is what he, I think he's been doing that for the last two or three jobs he's been in. And it's uh, to me, I think it's clear and it would have been great if we'd had David on, to be honest, because he's a big Mourinho fan. Uh, to me, it's clear that Mourinho's methods are outdated. He's, he's a manager who, who worked brilliantly with the last generation of footballers, the likes of Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, Michael Balak, uh, even Ronaldo to an extent because he is all Cristiano Ronaldo is also a bit of a throwback in terms of his mentality towards the game his sort of con- con- uh, confrontational leadership style of football where he tries to provoke a reaction by through criticism does not work well with the modern footballer the modern footballer and in general people today before say my generation or Dre's generation or people younger than us 17, 18 year old kids you need to sort of have a more accommodative approach. You need to sort of understand their concerns. You need to put an arm around their shoulder rather than sort of publicly uh, uh, lambasting them if they've, if they've made mistakes, And which he's done a lot in the last couple of months. He's, he's thrown players under the bus quite a lot. So it's, he, he definitely lost the dressing room. I think the only thing I can say about the, is about the timing where it seems curious to me that this when they have the Carabao Cup final against uh, City on Saturday, but Daniel Levy probably thought they had a better chance of winning the final without him than with him. But uh, other than that, this was bound to happen. I mean, it's just that it's happened in his second season, midway through his second season. It usually happens sometime in his third season. And he has a couple of trophies to show for it, but that's not been the case this time around. Dre, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very similar to what Harshal outlined in terms of, um, you know, whether whether anybody likes it or not, society has changed and, and people are changing and having that same approach that he's had um, or that he used, you know, 10 years ago, for example, is not going to have the same effects. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think his, his man management style is a bit outdated probably at the time. And I mean, for the squad that he has, I don't necessarily think that it, it quite suits how he's played over the years as well. I think Tottenham definitely has, the players to be more of an attacking outfit. And, and I think that's what they're, they're probably looking for as well. And, you know, knocked out of Europa league and not where they would like to be in the premier league. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not too surprised by it. I think definitely in the locker room, those, those uh, relationships matter a lot. And when you lose those, it, it doesn't become a fun or it doesn't stay a, a fun working environment and one that you feel like can progress and, and improve. So not, not too surprised by it, I think. So my, my take is as follows. Uh, first of all, I'm still upset at Daniel Levy for getting rid of Potch. I thought I agree Given him more time, especially given the fact that they couldn't open up a checkbook for, to support them because they had to pay for the stadium. And you just kind of have to accept that reality for what it is. He went with this better, better looking, shinier new sports car. They cost an absolute fortune. And guess what? The car runs out of gas or malfunctions on the road. And that's Mourinho. And I agree with you in terms of the man management um, uh, in that sense, I do think it's a little unfair that you cut him loose in that you didn't give him any money to, for him to reshape the squad in his own philosophy. Uh, and so I, it, I think that's a bit unfair. Harshal, you had I an- don't think that's necessarily the case. The Spurs, I mean, in a pandemic era, where obviously Spurs have lost as most clubs have, they've lost a lot of money. They did go out and spend, they, they bought Sergio Regulo for 30 million from Real. They bought, uh, they brought Gareth Bale in on a loan, which is expensive because they're paying, even though they're not paying the majority of his salary, even if they're paying 40 of half of it, it's still a lot of money to pay for a 31-year-old for the course of a season. Um, they brought Pierre-Emil Hoybier, yes, for 10 million. But I mean, but that's Mourinho the did get a few mind. players in. Mourinho did get some of the targets that he wanted. But it's also another thing with Mourinho is that he has always been... Uh, a sort of check, I wouldn't say checkbook manager, but he is the kind of manager who demands new signings. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's a way another part of his man management style where he wants to shake up the squad and get a new face in, try and sort of challenge them and all of that. But a lot of times that's not possible, and you have to make the players you have at your disposal better. He so, did it. He did it with with not to cut you, Harsha, but um, the right back yeah. situation with with Doherty. He brought in Doherty. Um, and I remember it specifically because I, I'm a fan of Aurier, like how he plays. And he essentially said, all right, you're not going to play for me. And, and you know, wanted to make Doherty the guy and it doesn't work out that way. And now you have Aurier and you don't have another right back and you have to make that work now. And obviously when you, when you come in and you have that impact immediately, it's going to have its lasting effects regardless of how the situation pans out. And I think that just kind of goes throughout the, the locker room in whatever positions you, you want to pick out. Well. I am going to be curious to see who they bring on um, board. Uh, I hope it's somebody that believes in expansive football because I think they have enough talent to do some expansive football. And yep. you guys know I'm a stickler for for entertainment, so uh, I, I do like some entertaining football, um, which I guess means we should probably wrap our pod here because we're going to have a very entertaining football match, Liverpool Leeds, of which I will watch with equal zest irrespective of the European um, uh, uh, football league or super league coming together. Um, I don't think this is going to be the last time we talk about it. <laughs> I, and I look forward to unpacking it. Cause I think we all probably agree on kind of the cap, the capitalist system. I think with, we know their shortcomings as to whether we agree on the solutions to be had. That's we'll take future podcasts. So gentlemen, thank you um, very much uh, for this. Uh, We'll leave the podcast here. Uh, We are sponsored by the Premier League Guide, Moneyball for Football, Opposition Analysis plus Eye Candy. The current update is 
available at www.thinkingfanmedia.com and on Amazon. For now, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao.